I was selected members of the Vance Memorial Church Chancel Choir with strings from Ben Podolsky and Susanna Riley, and all under the direction of Mrs. Debbie Briding, Vance's most able music director. We turn today to the 22nd chapter of Matthew. Hear the word of the Lord. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment is the greatest in the law is the greatest? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That's the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Of these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question. What do you think of the Messiah? Whose son is he? And they answered to him, the son of David. And he said to them, how is it then that David, by the Spirit, calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If David thus calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one was able to give him an answer, nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. And today we finish our series in the Hebrew Bible. We have walked all the way from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to the people wandering in the desert, to the people becoming enslaved in Egypt, to knowing Joseph, and now being led close to the promised land by Moses the 34th chapter of Deuteronomy. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him the whole land, Gilead as far as Dan, all Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the Negev, and the plain, that is the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees as far as Zoar. And the Lord said to him, This is the land of which I swore to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you, know, you shall not cross over there. Then Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab at the Lord's command. He was buried in a valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor, but no one knows his burial place to this day. 
Moses was 120 years old when he died. His sight was unimpaired, and his vigor had not abated. The Israelites wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. Then the period of mourning for Moses ended. Joshua, son of Nun, full of the spirit of wisdom, because Moses had laid his hands on him, and the Israelites obeyed him, doing as the Lord had commanded Moses. Never since has there arisen a prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. He was unequaled for all the signs and wonders that the Lord sent him to perform in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh and all his servants and his entire land. And for all the mighty deeds and all the terrifying displays of power that Moses performed in the sight of all Israel. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I have a friend, a clergy colleague, who says, the heart of ministry happens when we do funerals. He said, that's what we're really here for. I happen to think he's nuts. If you don't know, I'm not a particular fan of funerals as a ritual I do think we need something that says goodbye to our loved ones, something to help us grieve, something to help us move on. But the way funerals have become for us in this society, I don't find particularly helpful. And one of the reasons for that is my own stepmother's funeral was so untouching to me to be virtually unnecessary in my own grief process. The pastor who did it is a beloved family friend. He was our family neighbor for almost 30 years. I went to high school with his kids. And the only thing personal he ever said about her was that she made lots of really good Christmas cookies. Which, by the way, was an extreme understatement. This woman made hundreds of dozens of Christmas cookies and gave them to every single person she ever knew. I don't like funerals. I don't find them helpful. But my friend says, no, that is where we as clergy people, that's where we show up. That's where we help people see God. That's where we help people through. I think about the funerals that I have officiated that have been really meaningful. The meaningful stuff isn't the stuff that the clergy does. The meaningful stuff are things like having the grandchildren all stand up, even the shy 14-year-old teenage boys who can barely take their eyes off looking at their shoes because they're so shy and awkward that they want to tell somebody how much they love their grandpa. five grown, successful barger children all standing up and saying, 
this is what our mother meant to us. A teacher standing up and saying, this is why we're here in this church today. Remembering a student of mine. That's, I think, the meaningful stuff. And I think, too, about what those mean to families. For, that, for those families, those were significant events. They were the beginning of them working through grief processes. And yes, God should be there to accompanying them through, I think. But there are other families who are like this one that I met. There was a church where I was, and they said to me, when I first went, I said, you know, who are the people I need to go visit? What do I need to know about these people? What, whatever. And they said, well, so-and-so, you don't go visit. And I said, excuse me? And they said, no, no, so-and-so, everybody knows she's mean. She's known as the kitchen Nazi. You don't go visit her. And if you do go visit her, you absolutely don't go alone because she'll eat you alive. And I'm thinking... What, who, this woman is like this big, she's 100 years old, what's she going to do to me? They were like, don't go visit I never went to visit her. And she died. And I felt horrible, because I had never visited her. I talked to her on the phone a few times, but I did what I was told. She died, and I went to meet with the family. Her sister, who I told was equally as difficult a person, was sitting there, and she walks in, and I walk in, and she is the warmest, most generous, kind person welcoming me. And I'm thinking, okay, I didn't need to be embarrassed. I didn't need to be worried that I hadn't visited so-and-so. And as you've heard, I don't like generic funerals. So as we talked, I said to them, what do you want me to tell people about your sister? What stories do you want told about her? How, how do you want her remembered? And, and literally, everyone in the family said to me, Oh no, don't say anything about her. Nobody liked her, even us. And I went, well, What? <laughs> what? And they, they were serious. They were like, no, we just want read some scripture, say a prayer, we'll all go home. We didn't like her. And that's the thing that happens, you know, in the family when you have these times of grief, these times of trauma, everything in your family gets multiplied, gets gets amplified, gets magnified, right? And if you have a situation where so-and-so doesn't like each other, it's going to get bigger when your family's going through that grief. If you have a situation where so-and-so really loved each other, it's going to get bigger. I was not born during the John Kennedy era. I do not remember seeing live little John John do the salute and all this stuff. Many of you here do. But what I do remember is having a college professor say to me once, you know what death did for our nation, the death of that president did for our nation was it made a pretty average president into a hero. 
Now that was an interesting comment to me. I don't, again, I wasn't around then, so politically I only know what I read in history books, but I thought that was interesting. That was the amplification of the personality of our nation, right? And to a certain extent, that's what's happening today with Moses. Moses is going to be remembered as the greatest prophet in all of Israel. Woohoo! What a great man Moses was! Have you all been paying attention the last few months when we've been reading Exodus? The people didn't listen to one darn thing Moses said. They were always getting in trouble because he'd say, go over there, and they'd go over there. God would send them manna, and they'd say, well, give us meat. Moses would say, quit fussing about stuff, and they'd still go on and fuss and threaten to stone him and kill him. But today, Moses is the greatest prophet in all of Israel. And they grieved for 30 days when he died. Wow. How they must have loved him, huh? Interesting. A couple of things interesting also in this story. First of all, the story seems very, very sad if you read it carefully because it looks like Moses dies alone. Nobody knows where he's buried. He dies. The greatest prophet in all of Israel dies alone. Isn't that sad? Well, not in Jewish tradition it isn't because Jewish tradition says that the greatest of people when they die, go into caves alone, and angels come and bury them. He died without his people, the Israelites, but he did not die without his God and God's messengers being present with him. The other thing that's cool about this text is that it says that God took Moses to the hilltop, mountaintop, so that he could see all of the promised land. There is physically no place in all of the Middle East where you can stand and see all of the promised land. It does not exist. But somehow God managed, either through a vision or through the fact that somehow Moses was somewhere between life and death, to show Moses all of what God had promised. Wow. Wow. And then there is this other piece we cannot miss. Moses, the greatest prophet in all of Israel, is gone. The people grieve for 30 days. It is tragic. And yet the very next paragraph comes. 
Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom. God's promise does not end even with the greatest leader in all of Israel. There is one to come behind to carry the promise forward. God doesn't just save these people from the sea to have them die in the desert. The promises that have become that have begun clear back with Abraham will continue for generation to generation to generation to today. It's easy for Vance Church to fall into the Israelite mode. We were a thousand-member church once in not so long ago. People in this room remember that time. Go like this if you're one of them. Yes? Mm Mm-hmm. And boy, did we have great... The great George Kurtz led this church. And he's not here anymore. And there were amazing people in this church. Great churchmen. Great community leaders. Great business people. Women who were missional. People who supported our kids. We had a three-story Christian ed building full. And we look around today and go, well, oh, woe is us. God's promise has ended. The end is near. Pay attention, y'all. Read your Bibles. That's not the way God works. Even after the greatest prophet in all of Israel had died, God rose up other leaders to continue the process, the promise that God had started. Here's my best example of that here. We sit now working hard in an organ revitalization task force. We want this machine to be able to sing. It is 50 years old, and at about 40 years, an organ needs to be replenished so that it can do its job at its best. We're overdue. And some could say, we are past due, let it die, let it end, stop this music, let's move on, let's get with it, let's get hip, time to pull out the drums and the guitars and the whatever. Oh my gosh, we had violins and cellos today. What a boring bunch of fuddy-duddies we are. No offense, Mr. Podowski. (laughs) But you get what I'm saying. 
But the beauty of this organ revitalization task force is as we talk about this instrument and what we see in the future from this church that has always had a special place for music in its heart and understands that at the heart of worship is music because that is how we meet God and that is how God hears our praises. That what we will do is to revitalize this instrument for the next generation. When we talk about this, we're not talking about fixing it so that we can have it for another few years. We're talking about fixing it for another 50 so that the next generation coming after ours can know the promise that God has laid on this place. promise of worship, promise of praise, promise to meet our community and help them sing. Oh, dear ones, the greatest prophet in all of Israel may be dead, but Joshua, son of Nun, is filled with the spirit of wisdom and will lead the people into the promised land so that they may see God's promises and live them to the full. Thanks be to God. Amen. We're going to move now to a time of remembering those who have gone before us. These are, as far as best we know, members of Vance Church who at the time of their death were members of the church over the course of the past 10 years. I am going to do my best to pronounce their names correctly, and if I err, you have my apologies. But know that these people gave generously and of themselves to this place. And based on what I know of them, they would be proud to see us continue on in the promise of God. 2010, Dorothy Braddock, Eugene Culp, Estella Dakin, Margaret Frizzell, Carolyn Hendrickson, Evelyn Calcaruth, Douglas McKay. Two thousand and eleven, Alan Adams, Jack Barger, Margaret Bauer, Maud Bauer, Marjorie Dezel, Susan Ezel, Barbara Lewis, Betty Ann Meek, Joe Steele. Jean Cullen. Bonnie Downey, Wilmer Hasetta, Martha Plusquella, John Welty, Jean Wyatt. Two thousand thirteen, Margaret Akers, Nick Baker, 
Don Garvin, Ann Geyer, Ann Osborne, Deborah Framesin. Two thousand fourteen, Michael Cox, Kathleen Hannig, John Medic, John Morrison, Nancy Paul, Joyce Welty, two thousand fifteen, Gordon Downey, Mary Jane Hopkins, Nancy Monroe. Mary Ellen Robinson, Lloyd Smith, 2016, Brent Bush, Betty Campbell, Ruth Hare, Carol Maxwell, Linda Morrison, Daniel Naranch, Linda Peterson, Alice Trapp. 2017, Francina Arsenault, Stephanie Block, Stuart Block, A.J. Gray, Kenneth Klein, Doris Medic, Irita Tebay, Margaret Tebay, Dick Wyatt. 2018, Virginia Bales, Charlie Hare, 2019, Frank Bush, Priscilla Butler, Sally Ezel, Mary Hudnell, Jay Parmar, Edna Mae Barger, Jess McHenry, Peggy Bates. 2020, William Maxwell, Willetta Bell, and Martha Kelly. 2020. And as we remember lives well lived and a future promised, 2021. 